welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs, the first Retrovaniacs of 2021. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys, did we actually make it to 2021? We Are did. We here? We did. We Although, did. I'll be uh, honest with you, the first the first few weeks not been that great either. But at least <laughs> at least we have a new date to put at the end uh, of our calendars. That's it. That's uh, that, exactly. Um, for some reason, you know, I was smashing that magic reset button at midnight, and I, I guess it didn't work. I don't know. But what did work was my effort. Uh, this year, I'm working on clearing out that backlog. I don't know about you guys. That's that's my New Year's resolution. Some people want to get in shape. Some people want to do things that make them better people and prolong their lifespan. I want to sit back and I want to play some video games that I wasted a lot of money on over the last year or two or several Um I'm sitting back and I am trying actively to knock out some games. I'm focusing on a lot of those indie games I picked up on the Switch uh, during those deep sales they would have. Because uh, I've amassed quite a Switch library and I have maybe completed, maybe, and I'm being generous, a good 10% of what I have on this this little console here. And I, I did one. I knocked one out. Um, first several day, first few days into the year, I, I finished that Rogue Legacy, uh, which is a game I was playing on the PlayStation a while back, um, and it just felt like one of those that was. And the Switch gets me so often on games like this, games I already own. But I think to myself, well, that would be nice to play, you know, on the go, like laying in bed at night, you know, just hold that over my head and play for a little bit. Bathroom, every which way. Every which way. And you know I'm on the road a lot, so I picked it up and played through it. Actually completed it. Um, in typical fashion, I completed the game. Felt really good. And then I ventured on over to the official Retrovaniacs Discord, um, only to have somebody uh, ask me if I'd beat the, the extra bosses and the New Game Plus stuff and... A lot of other things that had, had kind of dragged my victory down because I realized there was still a lot more to do. <sighs> anyway, that out of the way, Rogue Legacy down. I'm playing a few other ones here and there. I picked up a game called Worse Than Death on the Switch, uh, which is like another, you know, pixelated kind of throwback-looking game. has some, some horror elements to it. Uh, a little bit of puzzle-solving here and there. Nothing too difficult and, and something kind of brief. Uh, but it's been a good game. It was one of those I picked up for, for Halloween purposes. And instead of doing my usual thing of saying, oh, I'll just play it next October, knowing I'll pick up another dozen games then, uh, I'm, I'm playing through it. Pretty enjoyable. Uh, nice little game I would pick up on, on a deep sale only. But that's about it for me. I'm trying to stay focused on my gameplay so far. Yeah, I, I also set up a backlog tracker again I, I do it every year and i always fall off mm -hmm. where i'm like oh i'm gonna mm -hmm. get really into this and then i get sidetracked by brand new shiny games uh, but i did try to do this again and also i've been really focused on streaming over on uh, the jp retrovaniacs twitch mm -hmm. which also mm -hmm. should be on the retrovaniacs twitch but uh yes it, it is uh so for the start of the year i've already finished castlevania 3 which is a game i'd never beaten before uh, i beat that with uh with cypha as my my partner and now i'm going through with grant uh, probably by the time this airs, I will have finished that run. But I, so I, I'm playing a lot of games on that that I've already finished. So I've got Spyro already knocked out this year because uh, we're going to talk about it today. And of course, Castlevania 3. I did finish Seaman since the last time we talked on there. Uh, but but other than that, I really haven't played many things except um, 
my son, I was going to say everything old is new again, but this is a, a retro gaming podcast. That's basically what, what we talk about. But even for a seven-year-old, mm-hmm. I guess that's the case. Because instead of playing with, he got Mario 3D All-Stars for Christmas, and he, he likes it, and that's fine. He'd never played any of those, for, so for him, they're all new. But he was mm-hmm. wandering through the basement, and he found, uh, I have like this, this, it looks like a treasure chest, but it's really small. I used to keep my Nintendo games in there because I'm a nerd, but I have too many Nintendo games to fit in this treasure chest, so I forgot what I had put in there. I, I had assumed there was nothing in there, but instead, all our Lego Dimensions figures were in there. So about oh, two years yeah. ago, I bought Lego Dimensions on clearance because I figured they loved Legos, and it was an open-world game. They could play with me on the Wii U, and we, mm-hmm. we bought it. We turned it on. We played it like twice, and they lost interest because they just didn't they didn't really care for it. It is a lot to do, and they, you know, Leo was only five at the time. He didn't have any real idea of, of how to follow directions in a video mm-hmm. game if it was more than just, you know, run around and collect coins. So he lost interest because, you know, you have to, all those games have a lot of puzzles in them. Well, he found those figures. He's like, Dad, I want to try this game out again. I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess. Figuring he would turn it on, realize what it was, lose interest, be done. Yeah. Uh, no, for the last three days, I've probably played 18 hours of LEGO Dimensions with him. Wow. He, uh, he loves it. He wants to play all the time. And we have some of the extra packs because, I'm you know, I had to have the Goonies extra level pack. Why not? It's Goonies. And, uh, <laughs> and they wanted some for them. So I have a... Uh, Sonic's level pack, which is okay, actually. Uh, so there's a lot of extra stuff there that I, I also didn't really care for the game the first time through, and I, I'm determining that I really, really like this game. I know that it's discontinued, but the servers are still up. If you find the figures, you can use all that stuff. And now we're actually hunting down figures for things he wasn't into two years ago, like mm. Teen Titans, and I'm trying to find the yeah. Teen Titans figures, but of course, because it's discontinued and people are... Uh, it's a Lego collectible plus a game collectible. They're they're a little pricey. If you can find uh, if you can find them mm-hmm. open, great. They're cheap. But if not, you're at least paying original price, if not more. So uh, you know, I'll, I'll see what I can find. But yeah, I've been playing a lot of Lego Dimensions uh, along with I, Spyro. I thought that was a really interesting concept. Um, obviously, I um, I think I stayed away from it just because it looked like the kind of thing that would take up a lot of room. Um, it was kind of why I had to scale back early on. I, I know I was all about hunting down amiibos and whatnot early on, but that, that was something kind of had to scale back on. Uh, do you have the portal one? I was super interested. In I that we uh, there's a regular portal level in the game itself. I did not get the okay. extra portal levels. Uh, the portal levels are the ones my son hates the most because they are the most complex and the most involved. They play mm-hmm. a lot like portal, mm-hmm. and so he gets he gets very frustrated that he can't figure out what to do where i'm like oh it's simple it's portal blah 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 so he's not as into that but uh like today we got through the portal level and we got through uh, a level that was basically a bunch of different old arcade games so there's like a gauntlet level you have to run through and a super sprint level that you have to race against and all the stuff i was Uh like in love and he's like dad this is awful but he still played it Uh, and now we're at scooby-doo we'll get through that probably tomorrow so i've been playing a lot of that and i'm I'm surprised at how much uh how how much i regret uh, buying these not buying these things on clearance when i when i saw them you're going to be spending most of your 2021 on eBay then. eBay and flea markets. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that I can find somebody who did the same thing I'm doing and played all these games with their kids. Now, like, yeah, I don't want it anymore, and I can get yeah. a bunch for cheap. But I, I don't have a lot of faith in that. Because, uh, again, it is Legos and it's video games. It's kind of a nexus of things that are expensive to buy. I don't know if you've tried to buy a discontinued Lego set from anywhere, uh, but oh, yeah. that's uh, it's a little pricey, <laughs> uh, especially if you want one that's in the box at least. So, uh, But, Jeremy, what have you been doing since our last show? I've been kind of doing the same as as Billy with trying to clean up my 2020 backlog, which I mm-hmm. believe was actually my 2019 backlog at this point. <laughs> uh, I finished I well, I mostly finished Days Gone for PS4, which is it, I'm just going to call two months of my life gone at this point because that mm. fucking game. Um, Six days gone. That, <laughs> it's it's just man. 
there's some neat things about that game. If you don't know what it is, it's basically just a, a open world zombie game that's been flooded with all the worst biker stereotypes you could ever imagine as your main characters and, and the people that are in the game that you talk to. And it's it, it, there's some good stuff here and there. Like, you know, playing it isn't bad. It's, you know, the world itself is nice. It looks good. Riding around on your bike is fun. But mm-hmm. it goes the, the route of Red Dead Redemption. Like, it, it seems like it wants to be Red Dead Redemption to the point where it's like 190 hours long. It's just, it never ends. There was one point that I was just, I after the first month of playing this game, and there's I, I need to say there's not too many side things you can do in this this game. It's mostly just go to mission to mission to mission. And after the first month, I was like, when does this game end? Mm. Like I've been playing this game for probably around like 40 hours now. And that should be more than enough to beat most of these open world games. So I took a stroll over to the IGN wiki just to see the you know the amount of missions that I need to finish up, see where I was and maybe where the rest of the game was and, and, you know, compare and contrast. So I went over there and looked. I wasn't even a quarter of the way through. Oh, shit. I'm not even joking when I'm saying there's like around 160 missions in this game that you have to go through. And I was around like 40 (laughs) done in the game. It's so fucking long. And it's not like a game like Red Dead Redemption or Red Dead Redemption 2, which itself it was right at the border. I mean, it was too long, but at least it held my damn attention all the way through. Mm -hmm. This game is not worth sitting around that long for. And with all the characters, these, oh God, these characters. Like I talked about how bad the Bug Snacks characters was and I had to like, you know, kind of just rethink my life after that when I was like, the Bug Snacks characters are bad. But the, the, the characters in Days Gone are just bad all around. I mean, your character, your the character you play, Deacon St. John, he's probably the, he's okay. I mean, he's just insane. He talks to himself a lot. But the rest of the characters are just like someone watched an episode of Sons of Anarchy and was like, oh, let's put all these characters in this game and make them real bad. Like, you've got your white nationalist gun freak that wanted to ab- abolish the United States. You know, let's make this current. Um you know, kind of guy you talk to, you've got this, uh, used to be like a prison warden woman who has now just made a camp of slaves to work for her. Um, there's, there, it, it, the list goes on and on. Your best friend, his name's Boozer. He's just this big, swole, Tama Finland looking motherfucker with tattoos all over him. And it's just, it's it's exa- it's like the the B and C list D list characters from something like Sons and Sons of Anarchy, the people you would see in the back of a bar, like the extras. But it's a whole game made up of these people, and the story is just shit. It's just bad. But they want you to play through this and just keep going, and it goes on for fucking ever. And I I just after at one point late in the game, I think I was about I don't know. 80 to 85 percent done with the game i just i i I had to stop and and ask myself am i having any fun with this at this point anymore or am i just playing this to beat it and i i definitely wasn't having any fun with it anymore the story had long since just i I didn't care so i just gave up and i i was totally fine with that i you know i don't know about you guys but it you get to a certain point in the game and you're like, I have to beat this just for, you know, beating it. 
You know, you oh, got to yeah. beat it. Oh, yeah. I made it this you, far. You, you reach that point of no return. Yeah, it's like I've put this much time into it. What does that say about me as a person if I don't spend the next three, <laughs> three or four? You know, as 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 a fan of Star Wars films, I can completely, I completely can sympathize. Yeah, uh, putting hours into something and it's a pile of shit, but I got to see it through to the end. Yeah, that's kind of what I was like. But at the very end, towards the very end of this game, I don't know if either of you have followed this game, but like the big thing that this game has are like hordes of zombies. To the point where it looks like there's like this, you know, there's dozens upon dozens of zombies coming at you. Almost looks like an ocean, uh, uh, you know, coming at you in waves. And it's really impressive. It looks really cool. But up until this point, about 60 to 70 hours into the game and at the very end of the game, it has never tasked you with dealing with a horde directly to progress the game. It has always been like, run from this shit. If you get by this, just don't, you know... Just go away. But then later in the game, there are like three missions that you have to get past that are all about defeating an entire horde by yourself, which can be upwards of 100 or 120 more zombies coming at you, all of them coming at you. And unless you have spent a good chunk of time going and doing the one or two little side missions that this game has, which is like upgrading your stamina, then you have no choice. You have no chance to get past this. Like, unless you just play this game way too much and, and kind of exploit it. I didn't do any of those side missions. I think I did like two, two or three. And I was, I couldn't outrun this giant ocean of zombies coming at me, no matter how hard I tried. I even tried to glitch the shit out of it, but I just, I couldn't. So I was like, you know what? I'm done. I don't, I don't want to play this anymore. The only reason I was still playing it was to see this terrible story through. And at this point, it's not even worth it. So I ended up just going to YouTube and watching the rest of the uh, the cutscenes of that, and calling it a day. Wow. So that's I I cannot recommend that game whatsoever. I mean, maybe if you're you're a fan of biker stuff, I don't know the zombie stuff. It was fine. Play it for ten hours and see literally everything it has to do. But beyond that, I, I it was it was not a good experience. It was probably my absolute least uh, favorite or least liked playstation exclusive and that that is though it, it can be said as of now that is jeremy gregory's most glowing review of 2021 so far <laughs> well as you know starting off right i this is something that i, I you know i kind of want to mention last episode but i was like nah you know i just i don't want to be that negative about it but yeah this is it's just it, it eats at me you know i still feel like i should just go back and beat it because i've made it that far but i i just I don't know. I can't do that to myself. I don't think the game's good enough to do that. So I've uh, I've went ahead and started a much better game now. I'm playing finally playing through The Last of Us 2. And that mm. is a that's an incredible game so far, but I think I've only like uh, you know a quarter of the way in. So so far I like that game much better. It it has reminded me of like why I enjoy playing those games and to maybe not just hate play a game as much as I did Days Gone. Mm. Well, that is a negative way to start off 2021. Let's try to spin it around slightly and talk about this week's game, a, a PlayStation classic game, Spyro the Dragon.
Um, I, this was one of those that I, I knew was out. Uh, there was no way around it. I mean, uh, Spyro was, was in all the magazines and whatnot, and it was the talk, this game that was coming out. You got to play as a, a dragon. Um, but I was experiencing, at this point in time, a little bit of mascot burnout. Uh, you know, several mascot games had kind of kind of popped up, and I was not. And I, I've probably talked about this in previous episodes. I was not as quick to really love the PlayStation um, as a lot of people, um, and, and I mean that continued through through to this point in time. I, I still don't think I've been completely won over. Um, so this really, for me, was not even a rental at the time. I I didn't encounter um, this game until I was sleeping over at a friend's house who who owned it, and and they were you know kind of in the midst of trying to play through it. It was late at night, uh, you know they just wanted to pop on there a minute um, before they went to bed, uh, and then I kind of watched it. It it looked kind of interesting, uh, and it was one I, I would go on to rent. Um, on my own uh, a couple weeks after that. And you know what? My, my thoughts at the time were that it was actually uh, pretty decent. Um, I, I was a little skeptical of games, you know, kind of the 3D platformers at that point in time, because this is the point where uh, we, we, we had some bad times in terms of games like that. We've had some bad times in terms of mascot games. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, I was glad initially playing through this. I felt kind of a, I, I felt that this was a, a step in the right direction. Never got to finish it though. Uh, I don't think I sat down and finished uh, this game until maybe a good five, six years ago. Uh, so it was, uh, and I remember enjoying it then decently. I had, I did have my complaints. So uh, I, I was excited about playing it now, kind of through that that retrovaniac's lens, where I, I'm looking a little harder at what I do like and what I don't like. Yeah, I, I mean, at this point, talking about all the mascots, I, I, the PlayStation was firmly down with Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, and you know yeah. that was that was their mascot, but. Even then, like that was a very guided experience. You know, it when you talk about something like back then it was Super Mario 64 versus Crash as far as like the mascots go for those two systems. Mario 64 was a true you know 3D platformer. You could go yeah. anywhere, you could jump everywhere, whatever. Crash was to the for the most part just going into the screen, you know, at its craziest. But a lot of other developers, they had tried to do the Mario thing on the PlayStation and it just felt janky. It didn't really work. And finally, Spyro shows up, and I didn't really expect much else. But this is probably the closest you, you're going to get on the PlayStation as far as, like, doing a, a real 3D platformer. And one that works and feels pretty damn good. Mm. And I, when I played this, I was blown away. I was like, finally, we have a good, a good almost Mario 64 on the PlayStation. It feels good. It plays well. It's different enough that it feels like kind of like its own game. And I was I was pretty excited about it, and I, I played the hell out of that game. Yeah, I had never tried it because, and I'm glad you brought this up, there there really weren't a lot of good 3D action games like this on the Sony mm -hmm. PlayStation at the time. There were a lot that tried. I mean, uh, 1996 would have brought you Bubsy 3D, and that was a complete <laughs> garbage game. 
Um, I mean, Earthworm Jim 3D, I don't remember if that was before or, or right after this, but that was also a terrible 3D version of a game that we all you know, mm. remembered liking. Uh, it, the, even Sony themselves, this came out in 1998 in September. Uh, earlier that year, remember what the big Sony title was they really pushed as like their 3D action game that was going to take over uh, over what Mario and everyone else did was Blasto. Like, so all the 3D games on the PlayStation had generally, I mean, in this style of, of mascot game, had not even come close to doing what Mario had done. So, you know, I, I was already not interested in Spyro for that reason. I already had, you know, Mario 64. There were other good 3D games you could play. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and also Spyro really did look like and really was targeted as like a for the PlayStation. Like you have to imagine if you're only talking about the PlayStation library, a kid's game. Uh, yeah. You remember, PlayStation had a lot of games that, you know, like Twisted Metal and, and all the games, There's a lot of fighting games, things that were really for older older kids and, and adults, but they didn't have a lot that was really targeted at kids. Crash is probably as close as you're going to get for some of the, the major titles they put out. So Spyro looked even like even kiddier than Crash. Uh, Spyro himself is a dragon, but he's like a tiny little kid dragon. And it's mm-hmm. very bright and cartoony, and I was like, yeah, this doesn't look like something I'm interested in. Uh, I'll give it a shot someday. And I never gave it a shot until now. I didn't realize uh, this This was developed by Insomniac, who I had known now as the Ratchet and Clank people. And that's one of my favorite series ever. So knowing that, now I'm like, oh, I should have gone back to try these Spyro games. Because it's not that Spyro is made by the, cra- the Ratchet and Clank people. It's that Ratchet and Clank was made by the Spyro people. I had no, <laughs> I had no idea that that was their first major series, was the, uh, the Spyro the Dragon series. So I had never played any of these until just now. And I was pleasantly surprised at how well it controls, even without analog controls. I played it with just the, the flat digital regular PlayStation mm-hmm. controller. And it, it actually played very, very well, considering it's a 3D open world kind of environment. I was, I was very impressed with how the PlayStation was able to do what at that time I didn't really think it was capable of doing at the, the speed that this game runs. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, yeah, and that is worth stating, that the, there is the, you know, the analog stick is not present for this. And I remember sitting down when we went to, to play through this one, I completely forgot about that, and I thought to myself, it's like, well, how, uh, how does this work? How is this going to work like that? And I'm so glad you mentioned Blasto, because I was trying to think. I know I said that I was kind of burned out on these games. Blasto was the last draw, um, because I thought the game looked cool. I picked it up, and it's not. If we ever review it... It is on the list of games I must cover at some point. Well, I won't say a lot then, Um, but but what I will say isn't good. (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just remember it being a very empty feeling world that you played in is all I'll say. It, it didn't seem like there was much going on. And the one thing when my friend was playing through Spyro is that it looked like a very lively, um, kind of interactive world. It, it definitely, I, I think, um, Jeremy, uh, had, had mentioned that, you know, we had Mario 64. Yeah, we did. And Mario 64 was perfect. And that world, uh, it really was immersive because it looked like there was just a lot going on in the background and around you. And Spyro was the same way. It, it seemed like it was a little bit more of a, a kind of a thriving environment around you. And that was the main thing um, that pulled me in. And, and definitely, I think one of the things it did better um, than the other games of this sort at the time, which which I think empty felt really empty. Uh, th- this game definitely has a lot of personality a very colorful game and yeah um like it was mentioned uh definitely a departure from a console that was was definitely aiming towards a a more mature audience yeah this was uh you know insomniac 
whatever magic they have still continues to this day. You know, with the, the Spider-Man games on PS4 and PS5, they, they're just, they have some amazing ability to do with these systems what a lot of people can't. And Spyro, like I said, was really the first kind of solid 360-degree plat platformer that you could find on this system that didn't suck and didn't feel like it was made by, you know, somebody that was really trying their best to just make a, a Mario 64 game on the PlayStation and doing it badly. This was, you know, like you said, it does definitely feel like a kid's game, and it is. It's it's very much marketed towards kids. It's it's not even trying to do like the the edgy things like Crash did or whatever, but it's just it, it's just so playable. Whatever Insomniac did with this, it feels solid. It's playable. It's fun to play. You know, it's just not like oh hey we got we got a 3D platformer here that actually works. No, it's actually fun to play, and they do their best with what they have. Like none of these levels are like anywhere near the size I would say of something like Super Mario 64. 64. Most of these are very small contained levels that you that have a lot for you to explore. And I will get into this, but you know, completing these levels, just completing them is very simple. But there's also the aspect of 100%ing these levels, which I would go as far as to say is that's the way they they intended you to play this game is like getting all of the, the jewels or diamonds or whatever um, and, and getting 100% on each stage. That's where the challenge in this game comes from. And that's the point where you have to actually explore like every inch of these levels. And because they're so small and contained, it's actually fun to do so. And I think that's one of my favorite things about Spyro is that it's just, it's a 3D platformer. But at the same time, it's it's super fun just to explore every inch of this game that honestly isn't very hard. I don't know if either of you got into the the whole like completing this 100 percent or not, but that was by far my favorite thing to do when I was a kid. I, I did not succeed in it. I guarantee you, if I had this game when it was new, I would have. And if uh, if we weren't reviewing this today and doing it next week, I probably would have continued in my in my process to do so. It, so to to it is an open world feeling map system, but each map is self-contained. So it's not an open world game by any means, but much like Mario 64, it's a, each level's their own separate playground. Uh, you can go, uh, you know, the levels loop around, they have layers on top of each other. It's, it's a very involved level system, especially, again, for the PlayStation. It runs very smoothly. Uh, I didn't have any time where I thought it really chunked up too much. I didn't see a lot of slowdown. Like a lot of these games, I mean, I know that I mentioned Bubsy 3D earlier, and that really is the worst possible example I can think of. But that game chugged when you had one thing on the screen. Like it didn't make any sense why it was running so badly. Unlike a game like Mario 64, and I, I don't like to keep comparing the game to Mario 64, but that is kind of like the gold standard of, of these sort of games for that time frame. Mm -hmm. Um... Spyro doesn't have as many moves, right? Mario had all these different moves he could do. You get a lot of power-ups because it's a Mario game. Spyro is basically from the moment you start playing as Spyro, has all his abilities. So Spyro is uh, is a little dragon. He can move around with the D-pad in any direction because it's an open-world 3D area. Uh, with the square button, you'll charge forward, which you can use to charge into enemies, but also uh, break open walls or treasure chests or other things, most of the things you can slam into uh, with your charge. The X button jumps, and the circle button will breathe fire, like a burst of fire forward that, again, can kill a lot of enemies. It will break things open. Uh, really, those three abilities are 
all you're going to do for the game is run around, jump, charge into things, and breathe fire. And somehow, even though it's only those three moves, you'd think that's going to be really simple and, and kind of dull. But I never felt like I was limited in what I could do. And in fact, it was kind of like, what can I do to use these abilities to get around the puzzles I'm seeing? So the levels themselves, like Jeremy said, are very simple to finish. To get from the starting point of a level to the end, you literally run through the level. Uh, there are gems to find that you can collect. Uh, there are dragons to save that that really you should be doing. I mean, if you're playing this game, even if you don't 100% it, you should try to save all the dragons you can. Uh, and in fact, in one point, you can't continue until you've saved X number of dragons. Um, and there's also dragon eggs in some of the levels that you have to find by chasing these guys around the level, which I think are actually some of the most interesting and frustrating parts of the levels, but they aren't required. You don't need the dragon eggs to finish the game. You don't need uh, to save all the dragons to finish the game. You don't need to save all the gems to finish the game. Literally, if you just ran through every level and saved the dragons you saw on the way, you probably would get through this entire game uh, and, and beaten all the bosses and everything else, and you still would only have had maybe a 50% collectible rate. <laughs> uh, and you're right, going back to find all those items, one, it's fun because the levels are small, like you said, and they're they're really easy to explore, but at the same time, you, you're amazed where they hid certain things, or, you know, oh wow, they really did plan on me doing this, what feels like a game-breaking move, to get to things they've put there, like it's intentionally there. The levels are very, very well designed. There's not too many places that I got to that I thought they didn't expect me to get there. I think everything in those levels was designed explicitly to allow you to get there, uh, as long as you knew kind of how to, how to tweak the system. The, the way that the game is organized, instead of just being level 1, level 2, level 3, level 4, is there's six hub worlds. Uh, so, you know, it, it's the same. It's a 3D explorable world. There's monsters there. There's dragons to find. There's stuff to collect. But each of those six hub worlds also has gates that go to other worlds inside there. So, for example, the first world you start in is called the Artisans uh, area. That's where all the dragons, I guess, lived normally. And uh, the... I forgot to explain the story of the game. Not that it matters too much in this sort of game, but uh, you're Spyro, you're the last dragon. All the other dragons have been turned to crystal by Nasty Nork, and so you have to save them. I, that's why I didn't introduce that story. It's very minimal and not important. Uh, so you you have to, you know, you'll want to save all the dragons you can, find all these levels. There's normally five or six in each hub world. And then once you've done enough in that world, if you've gone through all the levels, if you've beaten the boss, then there's a balloonist that will take you to another hub world. There's six of those hub worlds total. So I guess there's, what, a total of 30, 32 levels, something like that. Um, and in all of them, you'll want to make sure you can explore and find everything because they really do, they, they keep all the levels very different. Uh, the hub worlds all kind of have a theme, and most of the worlds that are built off that hub world kind of follow that theme, but not necessarily. Uh, it, it's, the way that it's put together is it's almost perfect in giving you little bite-sized bits of new game so that I, it was hard for me to put this down. Like there was no point where I was like, well, that was, a, you know, I got through this map, I can take a break. Like I kept wanting to see the next thing because it is so, they're small and contained and they're interesting enough. I really wanted to see the next one. There, there would be times I was playing this for this podcast where I'd play this for easily like four or five hours in a block, which right now for a game for me is pretty hard to do. And I never got bored. I kept wanting to play it. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, that's exactly what I, I would do with the game because it really feels like something that, that if you want to play it at a few minutes at a time, you know, you can do that. You can sit down, play a level, go away, and, and you're good to go. Or you can sit down and basically play a whole world if you don't want to sit around and collect everything in, you know, 15, 20 minutes, if that. I think really about the only time things got a little bit annoying, I guess, and I'm sure both of you experienced this, was the bonus level. And this is, it's a completely optional level. You kind of have to find it, you know, unlock it. But if you're trying to get 100%, this is where the game locks you into a flying mode. And we probably haven't 
said too much about Spyro at this point himself. He is just a little purple dragon. Uh, he runs around and he has wings and you can sort of fly with him whenever you jump. And, and if you want to do, it's kind of like a double jump. If you press it again, then you start gliding and he can't glide for very far. Uh, it's, you kind of have to, it, 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 you know, manage your distance. And that's one of the things this game does very well with its platforming, especially later in the game is making you use that glide basically a hundred percent to make it to where these, these different areas where you can, um, oh, yeah. where you're finding secret areas or even just getting past certain, certain parts of the, the level. But the bonus stages make you fly like you start off flying and that's all you do for the entire level. And it gives you what, like five or six different goals of this one level, this one contained level of killing I don't know, or destroying certain things that are in and around that level. And it gives you like, a, like what, two minutes to do it in? It yeah. seems impossible. And it, it yeah. kind of is. Um, th like, that's the only point in this entire game where I was like, fuck this fucking game. Mm. Like, it took mm. me so long to do some of those bonus stages. I think those are the, if, if you're really going for 100%, that's where this game falls down for me. But oh, yeah. otherwise, yeah. like, just playing the game o overall and controlling Spyro and getting around is totally fun just because like of how these stages are designed and that like even if you fall and and like you miss a jump or something it's super quick just to run back around to where you were and and try it again because it, it takes a second to kind of master spiral's jumps and his glide but once you do you can kind of you feel like you can get around just about anywhere Yes, that was something I was very impressed with with the level design is that they did make it so the jumps would be very easy to tell. I think I can glide to here or there's no way I can glide to here. Like there's mm -hmm. weren't a lot of things, there weren't a lot of jumps where it's like if I don't do this pixel perfect, I'll miss this. There are a couple later in the game, especially if you're trying to 100% things. But for the most part, it's very clear to say, yes, I can jump here and glide. No, there's no way I'll be able to do it. And if you do fall, you're right. It's very easy to get back to where you were. Yes, you lose a life, but it's very easy to get more lives. And if you mm -hmm. lose all your lives, you just get sent back to the hub world. It's not a big deal. You, you restart the level, but since the levels are so small, eh, who cares? You'll, you'll just restart that level and, and go back through it. It's not going to lose a lot of time, uh, especially because if it's something you've collected, if you collected a gem or saved a dragon or got an egg, it saves that. So you're basically just going back to the level and the it's repopulated with enemies, but your progress is already saved if you die. So it's not a big yeah. deal. Um, I want to get back to those flight levels because I do think they are worth talking about more, but uh, let's just explain a regular spiral level a little better and why it's more interesting to, to collect everything, I think. level and it you know you know there are so many dragons when you pause the game it gives you a little list of the area you're in and how many dragons are there if there is an egg it will show like a, a space where an egg would be if you find it so you'll know whether or not you're looking for a dragon egg and then of course how many gems are total in the level most time it's 200 300 400 500 but it tells you from the get-go here's how many gems are in this level and 
and that's it. You just go out to find the dragons, uh, get to the end where there's always a portal that takes you back to the the hub world, and then just collect everything else. Like the the ways to find gems are all over the place. Uh, dragons are obvious; they're giant dragon, and compared to you, they're giant frozen dragon statues that all look exactly the same. You run into one, you unfreeze them immediately. You don't need an item to do it; you just do it with, I guess, your breath or just being a cool dragon. And and they'll talk to you uh, when you. Uh, free a dragon, that space where the dragon was becomes a safe space. So you can just save your progress immediately every time you find a dragon. And every one of these levels, except for these flight levels, all have at least two to three dragons in them. Some have as many as five. So there's almost no reason not to save every time just to make sure, you know, oh, I'm worried about, I don't know, maybe I'll unplug my PlayStation by accident. Just save. Save every time you can. Uh, Mm -hmm. While it does save your progress for continuing in the game, if you did save a bunch of dragons and make a bunch of progress and never saved and turned your system off, it does not auto-save. It auto-saves uh, like temporarily while you're playing the game, but it doesn't permanently save on your memory card until you use one of these save spots. So make sure you save a- at least you know once per area, just to make sure you don't make the mistake I did, where I cleaned out three areas, forgot to really save it, and lost that time when I turned it off. <laughs> Again, it's such a short game that I, I honestly made that back up pretty quickly, and it was early on in playing this game. It wasn't one of the really, really difficult sections where I like 100%ed it and had to go back and do it again. But I, I still was like, oh, that's right. I gotta make sure I save. This is an old... It doesn't autosave. This is a PlayStation game. Gotta remember that. Um, so gems are all over the map. I mean, from when you come into the, the, most of the maps, there's gems laying on the ground, almost immediately within vision. Uh, every enemy you kill will drop a different gem. Uh, if uh, there's chests laying all over the level, both regular chests that you can break with either breath or slamming into, or silver chests that only break when you slam into them. There are chests that are reinforced. They look like they're kind of surrounded in bands, and you can only break those with a magical ability you get from a fairy, uh, and they're uh, or slamming into them with a uh, like a speed enhancing ramp which we'll get to uh and then there's also chests that have little gems on the top and this i could not figure these out at first and i don't know what my problem was they look like just chests with a gem on the top you breathe on them or hit them and the gem will fly up out of the top and then you can grab that gem i don't know why i didn't think of that so i just kept like i was like i must need a special item to get these i'll get it later so the first bunch of levels i had all these gems i didn't collect because i didn't know that's how you get those chests open uh so so easily, if you're just exploring and you find something that looks like it could hold gems, it probably does. And any enemy, you have to make sure you beat it one time to get their gem. It's very easy to see how this is, like, you just get those gem rewards almost instantaneously as you're playing through the levels. I mean, it's you, you feel like you're accomplishing something even just going from one side of the room to the other. If you kill an enemy or hit a chest or something else, you're just seeing those gems pile up, which I really, really liked. Uh, once you get all the, once you get um, to the exit, it doesn't matter if you've saved the dragons or anything else. You'll go back to the hub world, and you can explore and find uh, another world in that hub world to do. And there's four or five maps in each hub world, along with those bonus levels. There is one bonus level, I think, in each world except for the very last, and those are the flight worlds. So unlike the worlds we just talked about, where you're just exploring and and it's a regular 3D platformer that's done very well, these flight worlds are painful. You don't get very much time. The, the things are spaced out in such a way. It reminds you a lot of pilot wings in that you have a lot of objectives you have to do, and you have to time it very perfectly. Fly through X, fly through eight rings, and every time you fly through a ring, you get an extra two seconds. But the rings are exactly like two seconds apart. So if you miss one of them, you've already lost some of your time. And then you have to fly for five seconds to get to the next set of objectives, which is like to break open these chests that are on top of cliffs. And you do that, you get two seconds per thing, and you have to make sure you time those perfect. And so there's all these objectives you have to hit, and you have to do them all in one cycle. And you can't hit hit anything you can't land if you touch the water or touch the ground spyro stops flying and the level ends like it, those those flight levels like jeremy said are the hardest part for me i it's, i could i never 100 one of those i tried for an hour on the first one never got it right and said you know what 
if I don't need to finish these to finish the game, I'm never playing one again. <laughs> I hate yeah, them. Uh, uh, these are the reason I will never, I'll never hit 100% on, on this game. Uh, and it's so frustrating because the, the game itself, just the, the core levels as you play through, I, I don't feel there's a, a tremendous uh, deal of, of difficulty to it. And, and, I, and I don't think you demonstrate the skills needed for these flight levels throughout. Uh, so you just kind of get thrown into these and I, I can't tell you that I excelled at a single one of them. Uh, just thank God they, they are bonus levels. Uh, they are the height of frustration in a game that I otherwise, you know, am enjoying. And I think controls really well. I don't think these flight levels um, control well at all. And it, it's just jarring to go from having fun playing the game to knowing that there there's going to be a little bit of frustration waiting for you there. Yeah, definitely, if you want to do this 100%, because uh, those levels do count. And you're right with like how the camera is. Like It doesn't... Mm -hmm. If you're doing these perfect, you have to make these very perfect flight lines around these levels, sometimes in, inside caves and uh, spaces that where the camera doesn't like to be. Yeah. So it's it doesn't work very well for the most part. This time I got past the first one. I, I it took me like twenty minutes to, to finally figure it out and do it. But after that I didn't I didn't actually do it anymore. As a kid I did it all. I I, I hundred percent of the game I finished those stages. I'm not sure how, but this time I, I did that first one. I was like, Okay, that's that's enough. I don't wanna do any more of these bonus stages and, and even try to hundred percent them because it's just not fun. It seems like every single one of them needs at least like, I don't know, even just 30 seconds added to it. And it wouldn't be that bad. But they give you, you basically have to be absolutely perfect and make every correct line go to every one of these in, in the order that the game doesn't exactly tell you how to do. You have to figure it out on your own to get that 100%. And it just, it, it's not fun. It's, it's just not fun. It's, like you said, especially with the rest of these levels, which are very fun to figure out where the rest of these collectibles are and, and how to 100% them. Well, you know, we haven't talked about the camera really in this game. The camera's actually very good for one of these kind of games for this time frame. Uh, it, it will follow you if you're moving forward, and, and in most of these maps, they're inside in such a way that you're not going to get blocked. But if you do need to turn the camera, that's what the L and R buttons do. They just turn the rotate the camera around Spyro, uh, and mm -hmm. it makes it very easy to see. Those flight levels are... Again, you're on a track. To, not you're on a track, but you're flying, so it's always behind you. The camera's always behind you. But there's a lot of things you need to kind of see around better to to know what's my next objective. If you know, in that first, I did try the other ones, and I realized like one attempt in, I don't want to do these. But the the mm -hmm. first one I you know that you said you finished, I spent a lot of time on and never finished it. So along with the rings and the treasure chest, you have like these blue arches to fly under, and then there's lighthouses that you have to breathe fire on to turn them on. And in order to see where even the lighthouses are, because those are kind of all over the place, if I would have been able to turn the camera very quickly with like the thumb stick or, you know, the right stick or something to make it a little easier, maybe I wouldn't have had as many problems. But it was just very hard only in those levels to use the, the way the camera works in this game to see your objectives. So not only do you have that terrible time limit and you have to do it in a perfect run, but I honestly couldn't tell half the time like where I'm supposed to go, where things are without literally just flying around like a crazy person, losing all my time. 
and then, you know, trying to remember next time, okay, that's right, after I go past this second lighthouse, do a hard right turn, and the other one's way over here on the side, like, it, it was definitely the most frustrating part of the game for many reasons, not just the time limit, but, but it, it's a, the only time in the game where I thought the control was a problem. Every other thing in the game, I really, really thought the control was done uh, very, very well. Um, mm -hmm. Ignoring those levels, uh, the regular levels, again, to get through them, not too hard. I don't think, aside from one dragon, there was any dragons that are difficult to find. I think if you explore the level to uh, um, an average amount of effort, you'll find all the dragons very easily. They're also very visible, you know, since they are so much bigger than the rest of the game and they all look the same. They're very visible and easy to see from far away. Uh, some of the gems, not as much. And uh, some of the dragon, some of the eggs you can find. Again, they're not in every level, but when you do get them, some of them can be very, very tough. Uh, they involve you basically chasing a little blue wizard guy around uh, some kind of circuit in the level that's already there. Either sometimes it's clearly around like a pond. Other times he runs through these series of caves and you have to chase him. Uh, and it requires you to kind of, you know, keep your charge going and make these really quick turns to, to kind of cut him off because he runs about mm. as fast as you do. I really liked those generally. Uh, there was only one or two that I had a problem with, but even those, I mean, compared to the flying sections, not difficult. Uh, later on in the game, I mentioned that there is a, uh, a magical fairy power that lets you breathe stronger fire. Uh, those are only in certain levels. It's very obvious where you find the fairy. Uh, there are enemies that you can't seem to hurt, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I have this fairy fire. Is that what I'm supposed to do? And yes, that's, that's how you hurt those enemies. The bigger chests are broken that way or by using uh, what I found to be the only other part of the game that I had a problem with which is uh, there are these ramps that have arrows on them. They light up. They're very obvious. When you run down them, you know, Spyro, if you're charging, he charges much faster. He gets a little, like, smoke thing around him, and he can fly into things doing a bunch of damage. He moves much faster. Uh, if, if you can go off a ramp with it, it'll allow him to jump at the end of the ramp and go way far across the map. Like, it lets him really glide very far. Um there's a lot of stuff that they expect you to find, including a couple dragons that require you take those ramps, uh, sometimes in succession. So you run down one ramp and keep your, your charge button going. When you land, you run through another ramp, and then you'll, you know, the, the, the fire will change to, like, the smoke will change from yellow to red. And then you fly even farther if you make that jump. And then you have to make sure to do a 180-degree turn and go back down a ramp that was before an up-ramp and do it at the end, you know, jump off the end of that to find this little island in the corner of the map. Like, there's a lot of exploration stuff that used those ramps that I don't know I didn't think they were bad and I really liked them at the time but there were a couple that was the only thing I had to look up at all to finish this game and feel like like the rest of the game none of the bosses were a problem all the bosses in this are are different but but they tell well first off the dragons when you free them will give you clues and for every boss they basically tell you what to do uh, and then um, you know generally the bosses are not very difficult but the some of those jumps that required multiple ramps and going uh, like back up a down ramp and other things, I, I don't know how I would have ever figured that out. Uh, to see it done, even when I did it, I was like, I'll never be able to pull that off again. But it was pretty neat, but still also very, very difficult. I think that's the game's like biggest problem is like it's it's so breezy to kind of get through for the like I would say eighty to ninety percent of it that when it does offer up any sort of like challenge or you're just like, what am I supposed to do to get to this area? It it feels it's like it's just off you know it, it mm. doesn't feel mm. like it's you know done right compared to the rest of the game i i think the the next two games are you know there's it, it's good they've got a little bit more challenge to them but i think overall it's it's more steady uh you know having to deal with like bonus levels in this game or the like the stuff you were talking about like with the ramps uh, that's that's dealt with so but it, it happens so little in this game for the most part that it 
you kind of get over it and you're just like, okay, well, that was just one of these parts. And then for the rest, you know, you get a stretch of just the same old Spyro where it's just fun walking around and, and exploring and, and figuring your out, figuring your way around the level. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, the challenge is randomly there and it feels, it, it just feels like it shouldn't be there when it pops up. You're like, am I doing something wrong? Have I, you know, the rest of this game has been completely easy. What is my mm-hmm. problem? Am I stupid? And for the most part, it's no, it's just the game does in certain areas doesn't do a very good job of difficulty, you know, and how it how it manages that. Yeah, it, it almost feels like that um, the, uh, maybe there's a disagreement on the age group this thing was was made towards because uh, half the game or maybe more than half, uh, about 80 percent of it controls like, yeah, it is for a little bit of a younger crowd. Uh, but then they'll toss one of these out. And yes, it is a game where the difficulty in some levels is, is only jarring because of, of how easy it is before that. I, I did want to mention, we did uh, Nights into Dreams mm-hmm. uh, for, for a Christmas episode. <sighs> this kind of this nails how I wish that game would have controlled. Or as far as the, the access to the levels, um, where you're moving around in Nights, it's kind of, you're just kind of moving around in a circle. And I, I did love, at least in those bonus levels, uh, you know, am, amongst all the cursing and the, the occasional hitting of, of soft objects nearby, um, that, that, that you're free to roam. And that was at least neat, I, I thought, was, was kind of that sense of freedom with your flight in this one. I, I would assume at this point in time, um, th- this is kind of one of the games that, that really it's, it's it's early in that and this was probably one of your first experiences just kind of free flying around and in, in a level and things like that so at least nods for that um it, it definitely um was unique at the time in terms of of how you're you're controlled i know mario could take the skies a little bit but mario wasn't you know was wasn't up in the air a sustained amount of time flying around um so that was definitely interesting uh it, it's just a game that Mm. I can't say those those bonus levels. Maybe if they were actual levels and required to complete the game, uh, because I've never had uh, an interest in hitting 100% in this game. Uh, it's just it's one and it's one of those things where there are a lot of collectibles, and unless you're aiming for that 100%, there's there's not a lot of point. Uh, you know the dragons. Uh, Jeremy P said early there's a certain point you need to have a certain number rescued. But other than that, you can do the bare minimum and whip through this thing. Um, so, I don't know. With that being said, I thought it was a great game in a lot of respects. And, and I have a lot more good than bad to say about it. But I, really, the only bad thing. And I was sitting here, you know, kind of listening while you guys talked, hoping you guys would bring up at least like another negative point. Um, because I, you know, I hate to let a game slide by without a lot of harsh criticism or anything like that. Uh, I, I'm longing for the days where we have one of those games that we all three just shit on for an hour and a half. Um, I, God, it can't be this one though. Cause I'm just sitting here listening and you know, the complaints are, they're not that bad. You know, the, the difficulty mainly is, um, bonus stages and right. i i think the regular stages are great and i even even though they're they're kind of they fall into a little bit of a routine and they have really easy patterns I, i'm 
I'm a big fan of the the boss stages throughout the boss encounters in this game also. Yeah, I think there's a good amount of variety to, to go yeah. through the game. Like all the stages are generally different and designed in, in neat little ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a good 3D platformer. And I'm not going to sit here and say that it's the best now. You know, the, the remaster that they just released uh, last year or the year before. Like that was actually, it's, it's a really good remaster of the first three games. And mm-hmm. they updated the graphics and everything like that. But it basically plays the exact same. And it's still really fun to play. It still really holds up. But you can also see that, you know, over the years after Spyro, things, you know, the, the whole 3D platformer was, it, it got better. You know, it, it wasn't just the these very small stages, you know, and it, it became something much more on the lines of Banjo, uh, you know, with mm. multiple worlds and all these things to collect. And you can either say, you know, that's that's either a good thing or a bad thing. But Spyro always kind of stayed doing. It was just Spyro for the three games, and it's it's you know you can sit down and enjoy it for what it is, because you know like we said a million times, it is a very simple 3D platformer. But at the same time, you know things have progressed past this. Um, it, it is very much something that a kid can sit down and play with and have a good time at. But for people that play video games on a regular basis this really kind of comes off as baby's first 3D platformer. And and that's the way it feels for the majority of the game. I have always enjoyed Spyro for what it is. And when I played it back when I was a teenager, I was like, you know, wow, this is on the PlayStation and it works and it feels good. And it's not a complete garbage mess of a game like a lot of these other 3D platformers are, even on the 64. Like, it's actually fun to play, albeit very simple. And that's kind of how I still feel about it today. Even with the remastered, like playing through it, it's it's still just it's Spyro. It's fun to fun to sit around and screw around with and not have a super hard time with, and it's fun to, to still fun to get that hundred percent. So that's that's where I am on Spyro these days. Yeah, I was I was very impressed. I think Spyro is a very impressive game, uh, even outside of the, of the time that it's for. The time that it's for, I think it's it's mind blowing that the PlayStation could do this uh, as well as it does. It plays extremely well, like we've said. Uh, I like the smaller levels. I like that they're little, they're each self contained little maps. Um, I actually think if you look at at how this specific game style advanced, I know it's still Insomniac, but the Ratchet and Clank games are very similar in that every map is its own, you know, little area. A lot of the times it's kind of a, I don't want to say a circle, but you're exploring the whole map to get to the end, and there's a lot of hidden things to find if you want to. Uh, but it's it's another one where each level's their own little self-contained thing. Sometimes there's a, a hub that connects several levels together. Sometimes you literally go from planet to planet, but each of those, it's still a little self-contained map. They're bigger than these, but it's the same idea. And, and I really like that. I like that more than a than a much, much larger, uh, you know, open map where, where maybe you, there's a lot more to explore. But, you know, this I felt like every single inch of this game was meant for you to explore, but not for the sake of exploring. Like, literally, because everything you kill gives you a gem, and every there's gems, head, gems hidden everywhere, and there's chests everywhere, and there's, like, everything in this map felt like it was useful and important. And I think that the level design in this is is really, really good. So, yeah, we've, we've had some, I don't want to even say complaints necessarily. There's some nitpicks. The, the flying levels are very, very difficult, but they're completely optional. The ramp section, I don't think it was bad. I think it's just one of those things where it, it I was surprised there were dragons there and not things that were, in my mind, completely optional. Because I thought all the, op- the, the dragons, while, yes, you don't need them all, 
it seemed like that was the, the like if you're gonna rank easy of collectible dragons the easiest eggs are the second easiest only because there's so few and then all gems because you have to do those flight levels and then if you get 100 percent of the game that's that's what i would be aiming for and these sort of games that's because each level is so simple and and easy to, to kind of explore and know you've explored the whole thing getting 100 percent for the whole game seems daunting but to do it for even just a hub world we're like yeah, i want to do it in this hub world in six levels i was able to do that going back to the levels fairly quickly for most of the game but until i got stuck on those flight levels and was like yeah i'm gonna do that uh some other time not right now but but again that's not a major complaint you can finish the game you can see everything you want to see without even messing with those flight levels more than one time just to try them so yeah no, no complaints at all this was an excellent playstation game and i think uh you know obviously uh it's excellent PlayStation game. I think obviously it was received very well because there were two more sequels uh, on the PlayStation itself, plus plenty of other sequels that came out for mobile games and all these other things. And again, most recently the the trilogy Jeremy mentioned uh, for PlayStation Four and all the current, well, I guess last generation now systems uh, has the first three Spyro games, you know, remastered, better graphics. Uh, they play exactly the same as far as I can tell. Looking at, at watching a couple play levels of this. Uh, remastered versions of Spyro 1 looks almost exactly the same, but again, much, much prettier. Uh, but still, I, I think this game holds up really, really well. For, for a 3D platformer of this era, it might be the one that holds up the best on, this, on the PlayStation. That's our thoughts on Spyro the Dragon. We're starting 2021 off with a game we all enjoyed. Not, not a lot of complaints. In fact, like I said, more nitpicks than anything else. An excellent game that has held up very well, almost 25 years later. Uh, but because it's the first episode of the year, I bet we've got some incredible listener questions that were sent to us by going to Retrovania.net, going all the way down to the bottom, past all the recently updated information, and uh, there's a question form there where you can ask us any question you want, and we'll answer on the show like we're going to do right now. That's right. I, I, like Jeremy just mentioned, we actually did just update the site so that you can now access our Discord server and our Twitch channel so you can see uh, Jeremy and Billy streaming whatever whatever they're playing <laughs> at the time. There's been some interesting things lately. Uh, but yes, below that is our question form. And a few people did actually access that for this episode. And we're going to start off here with Jack Bro. And he's wanting to know about 2021. Now that the shit show of 2020 has come to an end, what are your wishes for 2021 in gaming and otherwise? Um, well, otherwise... Uh, you know, I, I hope this is the year where, you know, someone backs that gigantic money truck up to the house. That would be nice. I, I've been waiting on that for a long time. Um, and, and though I wish for it, I, I'm probably going to probably going to keep waiting. Um, as far as gaming goes, wishes for it. Um, I mean, are we talking about things that I know are coming or are we talking about what I what I would like to see. Let, let, let's uh, go with exactly? things that you believe are coming. I mean, I think we'd all have some wishes oh, for things that we aren't going to have that aren't going to exist. But the things that you think are coming or games that you believe are, are coming this year. Well, what I, what I know is coming. Um, I, I, I guess we could parlay this into a kind of what we are looking forward to also. Um, they're supposedly uh, on the old Nintendo Switch. You know, my Stardew Valley update is coming. The 1.5. 
And it, it's supposed to be the last one. It's also supposed to be the fucking most substantial of Stardew Valley updates, you know, a lot of in-game content and things like that. I'm really looking forward to that. I am hoping. Uh, right now it has a, a date of maybe by the end of January. So so we will see. Uh, in terms of what I'm hoping for, I'm hoping that... Uh, I know there are some games I am looking forward to. I've made that mistake of being excited about games that are coming out because we have talked about how that's worked out for us in the past. Uh, and, and there's a few I'm looking forward to. And and my hopes would be um, that these games deliver. I, I know the developers. Um, God, I, they used to be Valve South. They are someone else. Turtle Rock. Um, are putting out Back for Blood. Uh, these are the people that made Left for Dead, and it's supposed to be in that same vein. And one of my one of my great wishes is that that'll kind of capture that magic because I just I don't know if either of you guys got really deep in Left for Dead when it first came around, uh, but that just felt like the most fucking amazing experience going four players deep on that game, and, and I would absolutely love. Um, you know, for something like that to come through and actually, and actually deliver, uh, that would be a big wish of mine. And I, I think I have several games throughout the year. I know there's another Evil Dead game coming. I don't know enough about that yet. I can't tell if that is going to be like an actual full-fledged game or just kind of a multiplayer romp. Um, so I, I'm reserving judgment for that. My sincere hope is that it is just you know a good story to it. Maybe continuing uh from the movies perhaps or or at least definitely I, I don't know i want to have a substantial story to it um and i know there are other games there, there's that fucking that lord of the rings that Gollum spinoff is coming and and you know I, a lot of games that i know are coming that i would just like and hope will will pay off and and the things i'm looking forward to here at the beginning of the year uh, will reward me throughout the year. And we don't have another Anthem on our hands or another uh, Avengers on our hands as we go along. And also, just in the wild speculation, you know, there, there's talk. I guess it's that time of the week again. There's talk of that Switch Pro cropping up this year. I go back and forth on that, honestly. Um, it's something I don't feel like I need. Um, I, You know, I'm not playing on the Switch now. For the graphics at all uh, and and i don't know why a lot of people are hung up on oh it's the switch um except the, the, the graphics are better okay so fucking what um so i don't know i don't think that's a wish of mine i think that's something i wish would just i'd rumor that would just die off for good let this damn generation be the end you know my wish my wish is that when a console came out that was it there was not a souped up version there wasn't a fucking pro version there wasn't something like that you know a couple years down the road to make you slam your head in the wall over the fact that you purchased the original to begin with uh i, I think that would be a pretty solid wish for 2021 yeah i, I you know what billy i agree 100 percent. i i don't care for the idea that there would be a system that they then re-release. That's oh yeah, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's the same system, but it's a little stronger. And, and yeah, all the mm -hmm. games work on the old one, but then this one will do. I mean, I, I, at the time, 
you, if you would have told the, the 16-bit era me, hey, dude, there's going to be something more obnoxious than a CD add-on and a 32X, I'd say you're full of it. <laughs> no, you know what it is? Selling me a br- the exact same system with some wil- new bells and whistles for $300, $400. So, yeah, I don't need that yeah. again. I, I don't like it. Uh, I, I'm hoping there's not a Switch Pro. Uh, I mean, I understand that people were like, oh, but wouldn't it be better to have a better Switch? Like, sure, make the Switch 2 years from now. You don't need to rush it out. The Switch is still selling better than everything else. Just make games mm-hmm. I like. Nintendo's very good about that. Uh, and speaking of that, if I'm going to talk about things I'm, I'm looking forward to and, and hoping for 2021, we're hitting the one-year anniversary of Animal Crossing. And yeah. if they actually yeah. update the holidays each year, for at least for the next couple of years, that'll oh. blow my mind. That's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> um, uh, realistically, I, I'd love to see Elden Ring hit, the new From Software game. I also don't think that's happening this year. I think they're going to keep talking about it and pushing it. And it. It probably will not show up until next year, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, I will own it. Uh, I will buy it the day it comes out and probably a system the same day to play it. Uh, realistically, games that are coming. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, there's a Monster Hunter Rise demo currently on the Switch. You can download, you can play two different fights, plus some training missions just to learn how to play the game. Uh, it's free completely for the demo. It lasts until the end of this month. So if you're listening to this right now I, and have thought about Monster Hunter. Ask you, I was going to ask you. Um, I am, um, I, I don't know if I get a flog in after we stop recording, completely new to this series. No. I, is this like, can I jump on here? Yes, and I highly recommend it. Okay. I thought, so I didn't play, I mean, I played Monster Hunter Try on the Wii and hated it. I wanted to like it so bad, I put hours and hours into it, and I still, at the end of the day, was like, there's things I don't like about this game. And Monster Hunter World fixed all my complaints, uh, which was the, the old games... Uh, didn't have a like an open world map for each level. Uh, instead, it was a lot of little maps that you had to load in between each one and chase monsters through these loading screens. I hated it. I hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, Monster Hunter World started the, where every map is a big, giant, open playground, and I love that. Uh, this continues that. It adds some new things that make it uh, easier to get around. You have a dog you can ride. Uh, that you so basically start the game, or at least they start the demo with a mount. I assume in the game you get it pretty early on, uh, because it's a it's something you can customize in some ways too. So you get this dog that will fight with you. You can also ride it around or travel around the battlefield faster. You get these, uh, they're like light bugs that you can use to kind of, um, they do some attacks, but they also will let you kind of. Uh, grapple around to certain things it, it's mm-hmm. i'm very impressed with it but also the demo plays really well i was very worried that, that i was going to get the demo and be let down and be like oh man this is a step back uh, graphically it's probably a slight step back from monster hunter world but i don't care i played it both on the screen and on handheld it plays really well and that comes out in march i'm extremely excited for monster hunter rise i'm going to log in way too much time on it because i can play it on the toilet which is awesome i'll be able to play the game nonstop. uh but the other game i'm looking forward to that probably is is a minimal excitement level for most folks, and I think they should think about it again as Ease 9 hits. I'm a huge Ease fan. Uh, I know mm. it's kind of a series that didn't get a lot of, of push here in this country, but Ease 9 is coming out for the PS4 actually next month, and I will have that also day one. I'm, I'm playing some of the old Ease now just to kind of catch up again on the story that I may have forgotten, and I finished Ease 8 last year. I'm highly excited about Ease 9. Uh, but yeah, Monster Hunter Rise, Ease 9, and if Elden Ring comes out, that will be my guaranteed most excited release of, of the year. Mm. I don't really know what I'd be super excited about this year. I, I mean, there's definitely some games that that I'm hopeful come out this year. But you know, with the way things have been releasing over the past couple of years, you can generally add like another year to it. Um, I don't know. I, I think as far as something as as I'm hopeful for is we can just get away from these where every game released, every big game has to be like this game as a service 
like it's it's everyone's <clears throat> it's everyone's trying to chase destiny and only destiny can be destiny mm. and mm. like that's it there doesn't seem to be any I don't know, you've got your Warframes, you know, that seems to do well. Uh, and I think maybe there's like, a, you know, a couple other PC-centric ones. But like, you know, we had Avengers, which could have been an actually decent little single-player game. But it ended up being this shitty Anthem knockoff. And that's, I don't know if you've noticed, but Anthem's not the game you should... You don't want to. You don't. You don't want to be a knockoff of Anthem. Yeah, that's that's not the one to go with. It's you know you can't just throw a bunch of loot and uh, gear score and and in game stuff or promise in game stuff and expect everyone to just fawn over it and buy it and and continue to uh, to support it over the years. That's just not what happens. You actually have to have a decent base game there. Yeah. And and Destiny is is so far ahead of everyone at this point that I, you're you're just not going to be Destiny. You just can't. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's it's done. It's over with. Make a game for everyone else. Make a good single-player game. Make something like Borderlands 3, for fuck's sake, where it's an actual decent single-player game. There's a lot of content there. If you want to play multiplayer, there's co-op. And, you know, you do have things that kind of makes it like sort of like a Destiny game, but it's not an MMO. It's not trying to be that. It's there for you to run and, and chase after if you want to just by yourself. So let's, let's, just, let's get past be. that. What? So that's what Monster Hunter Rise is going to be. Oh, God. <laughs> damn. Well, I mean, Monster Hunter did it well. <laughs> I think the, the last one was a that was a good alternative to Destiny, but it was its own thing. I, I actually really liked it, the Monster Hunter, uh, but it was just kind of, you know, I. It, it, you couldn't compare those two games. No, you they're can, they're different. They're different. But. They're they're very different. But I think as far as like newer games that have done the best job at trying to to get out there with with making a Destiny game and making a really good game and a reason why that it it, it should be that kind of game. Mm. Monster Hunter was it. It did a it did a fantastic job of making that argument for it. Nice. I, I it, they supported it really well. And I'm looking forward to whatever they do with Monster Hunter World or uh, the the one new one for Switch. So yes, that could be cool. As far as games, I'm I'm looking forward to and hope that they come out the new Resident Evil, of course. Like please come out this year. Uh, I would love to see that game. Uh, the new Horizon for PS5. Like mm-hmm. I love the first one. That was such a great game. They've barely showed anything of this. The the new one. They they say it's supposed to be out this year. We'll see. Um, but again, the other ones like Gotham Knights and that Suicide Squad game, they both look like they're trying to do like the games as a service thing. It's just like, just make a new Arkham game. Like, that's all I want. Like, I want that game to come back. At least we have. I mean, uh, don't be afraid to make a game that ends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got Spider-Man. We've got, you know, and, and the new Miles Morales. These are single player only games. They've done pretty well. I don't know what they you know, you've got Batman, you've got Suicide Squad, you've got all the DC stuff. Make a game like that. You know, you already have. It's called the Arkham Games. And those did really well. So I don't know why all of a sudden all of these superhero games are trying to be, let, let's beat Destiny. Let's let's do this. Like, no, you don't have to do that. Just make those games. Like, I want that. I want another Arkham game, goddammit. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. I don't know as far as, like, anything else that's really coming out this year that's blowing me out of the water. Maybe Psychonauts 2, if that ever comes out. I'm not holding my breath. Um, maybe 2025, that one will actually show up. But, 
yeah, that's I'm hoping for 20, 2021 to be a more focused year as far as like the games that come out and what they want you to do with them instead of being this this vague mm-hmm. sort of MMO thing and wanting you to just play them forever because it's it's not working. There's not enough games that do that well anyway. Yeah. So just make your own damn game. Just do that. You know, I, I didn't mean to ignore the first part of his question, which is what did we want non-gaming to happen in 2021? And I have just two wishes for this year. One, I want my kids to go back to school. And two, <laughs> I want live music again. I can't tell you how badly I missed live music for the last nine months. So the first thing I'm going to do the moment you can do anything fun again, I'm going to go, go see a million bands. Can't wait. I don't know what the hell I want for this fucking year. <laughs> like, I don't, I've even played, like, this past year has been so shit that I'm just like, what? What do I just maybe going back to sort of normal again? Like, that would be nice. I could deal with that. Mm. Um, being being able to go out and eat and, and, you know, not have to be stuck in a corner somewhere. or You know, it's there's just so many things that I would like to just go back to things that I enjoyed a year ago that I never thought would be taken away or just not as an option. So maybe by the end of the year of this year we can we can be somewhat back to normal that's that is the thing that i hope for but i mean you don't need to leave the house because with gotham knights you can enjoy you know season two three four five you know when they expand it out and then make it never fucking ending and then completely completely ruin that series yeah, and I can't wait for Anthem 2.0 to, to show up. Now, God damn it! I held out hope all year <laughs> long last year. I think I may have been the last holdout. Um, if there's ever any talk of who's the last person who was hopeful that that Anthem uh, Anthem 2.0 would come out and and completely revitalize that game, it was me. It was, and you know, and I don't foray into the world of positive thinking that often and that's why every time i do i put it into the wrong thing and and my my good faith and and my positivity is never rewarded so i i've been hurt and you know what i I may be hurt for the last time it's it sucks you know i these these damn games you know like there's so much the Avengers, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff there that that could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Got to hook it on to this goddamn, you know, MMO bullshit games as a service stuff, and it's just it's not working. It's not working at all. So, Anthem, go to fucking hell. Um, mm. Avengers, same thing. I'm tired of it. I just, I I didn't even buy that one, and I, you know, I genuinely wanted that game to be good, but as soon as I saw they were hooking their wagon to the whole Destiny fucking train. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. So I don't know. That's again, 2021 impressed me at this point because it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't take fucking much. Oh no, be... the bar the bar is low. Yeah, everything about 2020 has been set so far beneath the surface of the earth that just doing anything to impress me will, will be a, a positive. Uh, but thank you, Jack Bro, for writing in, and uh, we will move on to our next question, which is from Burger Champ, and he's wanting to talk about a license test. And he says the NES, Super NES, and Genesis era was the height of games with a real person's name licensed in the title. If you could pick any celebrity, past or present, and give them their own title, who would you choose and what would their game entail? What would a game with your name in it and a title be like? 
So obviously he's talking about games like Mike Tyson's punch out and mm. um, Joe Montana's uh, throw the ball game and things like that uh, <laughs> from back in the day. Um, and we still got things like that going on. You know, recently we have uh, such fine examples of like PewDiePie presents legends of the bro fist and Kim Kardashian, Hollywood, along with Sniper X with uh, Jason Statham. So that's still going on. But is there any game that you guys would like to have with a celebrity attached? Uh, and, <laughs> and maybe if you if you couldn't do that, if you could just attach your name, what would that game be besides, you know, crying in a bathtub somewhere? I, all, all I know is I'm going to have to get a hold of this copy of Joe Montana Throw the Ball. Yeah, I, I It was a solid game. He said words in it. Like if you like there was an announcer and I remember being super excited about that because he he sounded like the worst like uh, PC automated voice. Like you throw the ball like Joe Montana throws the ball and (laughs) and catch by number 28 touchdown. And it was just, you know, it was it was fascinating back then because you didn't really have voices like what sports talk football. Yes. Joe Montana's sports talk football. That was it. Mm, There we go. Uh, It was very impressive. Uh, And that's the only reason I remember that game. You know, it's hard to think about it without thinking of it in sports terms, right? With the examples you just gave, like Mike Tyson's punch out and stuff, you'd be like, well, you know, all these other fighters would be good, good games. But then that's that's kind of a cop out answer. I think I'd rather have like a like John Taffer's bar rescue game where you, <laughs> you go in and you find poorly run bars. You do like the the stakeout stuff where you have your friends come in and you <laughs> you then come in and just yell at them. I would play that game. I would honestly play that game uh, every day. I would love, I I would love would, every bit of it. I, I honestly and I, and I was thinking the same as Jeremy was reading it, I think the same train of thought as you, because I think everybody else has had their shot at it. Uh, you know, Arnold has been uh, in countless games that have disappointed me. Uh, you lean towards sports guys, or I think action guys. Um, I, I would like like a, a good old fashioned, just fucking hardcore haggling uh, storage wars. Ooh, like, take, oh man, the, the old wars man, game. take Barry. Yeah. Give me a bear give me a berry from Storage Wars <laughs> haggling game. Uh the first half is haggling and the second half is just uh a really monotonous rummaging through shit. Oh um, no, no, you have to and, for, for Barry you have to have him find an item that he thinks is worth a lot. Then you get to take it to a professional expert who's like, This is worth seven dollars, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love great. that show. Uh, I, th- I think, and if I had to have one for myself, I think it would be, other, I, I think uh, it w- the gameplay would be uh, maybe four or five hours of a, a very realistic driving simulator, uh, you know, where you don't usually go about 60, yeah, you're around 55 to 60 the entire time, uh, looking out the window at fucking nothing, and but the last half, the tension ramps up because... Um, you want to hit the nearby Taco Bell and get back to your your place you're staying at, but you really got to take a piss. Um, and there probably needs to be like a bar, you know, like a piss bar there, like an urgency bar that you have to balance out. And you have to do little things like, you know, uh, uh, maneuver around in the seat or, you know, cut the heat on in the car, things like that to kind of make keep the bar down uh, when it, when it's rising up to the top. I think if you wanted a very authentic game for me, um, that would probably be it. And I think the the ending screen would be you getting to your place, running to the restroom, unwrapping your Taco Bell order just to, just to see 
that even though it doesn't come with it, for some goddamn fucking reason, your chicken quesadilla has lettuce in it again. God, I was actually going to say the almost the same exact thing, except <laughs> a driving simulator to where the, the fucking morning's coffee diarrhea has caught up with you. <laughs> And you're desperately looking around for anywhere that will actually let you go into the restroom now <laughs> because most places won't let you anymore. You you know, you have to find these places. So you just bust into the bathroom and, it's, you know, before the game over screen hits and you have to buy new pants. But now, you know, I, I, I can see I can see a lot of quick time events in that one. Yes, constant. <laughs> I imagine that that all of these games would look a lot like Incredible Crisis, and I would 100% play those games. Yes, yes, everything. My, super mine would have been very similar, except you also have to drive around to like 17 different restaurants to get the one item you like at each of them to make your meal. So that you do, you go to McDonald's and get fries, and you go to Royal Farms and get chicken strips, and you go to this place that's uh, an hour away to get barbecue first to make sure you have the best barbecue for your afternoon meal. Like that, that would be my game. And again, it would all play very much like Incredible Crisis. So that. that <laughs> I think that's uh, that's our that's what our future is going to be. Once once we make all our money from the podcast, we can buy a development studio and we're going to make a bunch of games that are incredible crisis, but based around our own lives. That'll be huge, yes. huge. Yes, usually and and all games usually involving uh, consuming unhealthy food and the the you know the con- the consequences that come with such a thing. I that's a pretty fucking good game. Like there's no right answer. There's no good answer. You know you've you're you've been on the road for four hours and. Your two choices are Taco Bell and a McDonald's and a subway that is attached to a gas station yes. that looks like it hasn't been cleaned in five years. Yeah, uh, that's those are those are your options, and there you just kind of have to pick the worst option and prolong your death. That's really you just have to get to the furthest <laughs> before you die. It's <laughs> what is what's that one game? Uh, don't shit your pants. That that's just <laughs> that's just. Every game we would make would be a version of don't shit your pants. <laughs> and the ending would always be you've shit your pants. <laughs> but you get to pick where you are when it happens. Yeah, you your know, car. Yeah. Your fucking car. That's where you are. Or out in the field because you have shit your pants in the field. But that's that's the dangers of traveling. If only we can work that one into a, a, a you know the games of as a service format. How how can we get seasons out of that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna do. I want to make this game then. Uh, but anyway, I as far as the game that I would, if we're gonna stick with like modern stuff, uh, you know, with with PewDiePie, he got his own fucking game from you know YouTube personality. Uh, I'm gonna go with a deep cut here, but um, sticking with something like uh, a Cooking Mama game, I would go with Feature Man. And you oh, know, shit. Feature Man presents, uh, you know, uh, cooking. In, in his fucking hobo house. And, and all you have to do is just hit a minute, 30 seconds on the microwave. And it's every over. time. Yeah. Every time you, you find a, a hungry man meal and stick it in the microwave and then find some like 45 cent, uh, a 45 cent tube of biscuits from Aldi <laughs> and throw it in the oven and find a way to mix these two things together. Uh, like uh, his, his all time favorite was a spaghetti sandwich, hobo style, uh, which is always adding a bunch of fucking onions. So that's like that would be like the uh, fever fever time thing. You see, you see fucking hobo style come onto the fucking thing. You have to like chop up three onions to put in your fucking spaghetti or something. Uh, but I think that would probably be uh, that would be my game. I, I, that would be my favorite. 
that's going to do it for questions. (laughs) I guess those are good questions, though. It's a good, strong start to 2021. If you have a question for us, you should always go to Retrovania.net. The very bottom, after you see all the wonderful things we've been doing, there's a question form. You can send out any question to us. We will answer on the show. Uh, And our next episode, which I have no idea what it's about, I guess you'll find out with us again in two weeks. Or you could always join our Patreon, which is also linked on Retrovania.net, and find uh, that we have bonus shows in between each regular show. And our next bonus show, uh, the first one of 2021, is going to be on the Nintendo game Nightshade, recently Mm re-released on the Nintendo uh, Switch app, I guess, where they come out with the, the games if you belong to their service. So, uh, Nightshade, a game I wanted to play for a long, long time, and now we can all play it very easily on our Switches. You could try it yourself to play along and join our Patreon to hear what we think about it. Otherwise, we'll see you in two weeks with a brand new show, and we'll see you then. 